0: Amen. If you brought a Bible, go with me, please, to the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 48 of the first book in your, in your Bible. And we're going to begin at verse 8. While you find it, I want to remind you that this week we have a big week. We have our uh, second uh, food distribution. Our food, uh, mobile food pantry will be taking place this Saturday morning. And we need all the volunteers that we can have. Uh, Saturday morning as of 8.30, we need you here uh, to be a, a part of that event. If you can be here at 8, uh, those of you who can help us um, being here a little earlier, please do so. We're going to have a sign-up sheet in the back there uh, in the foyer for you to sign up if you're planning to volunteer. I just need to know how many of us uh, they can count on. And uh, don't tell me now because I'll forget. you got to sign up, all right? And uh, I'm counting on... Uh, as many of you being there as possible, we need all of the help we can get ladies and men, especially uh, some muscle, right? We need all the men we can get. There's a lot of heavy lifting that takes place. Uh, it's 8:30 to 11 a.m. Uh, we will be serving our community. and it's blessed time. It's a time of real fellowship and communion, but it's also a great time in, in which as a church we become the hands and feet of Christ to our community. Also, next Sunday, we'll be having a water baptism. If you have not been baptized in water, we invite you to make that decision. If you have decided to follow Christ, water baptism is the next step in your obedience to Him. We encourage you to be a part of that. And I also want to announce that this Tuesday at 7 p.m., we'll be having our Serve 101. It's our class for all of our new members and to those who have recently joined our church, if you are uh, interested in knowing all about the heart and soul of this church, what are we about, we need you to be at Serve 101 this Tuesday at 7 p.m., especially those of you who have become members recently. And if you're considering it, would like to join us as a member of this church, we'd like for you uh, to please be a part of Serve 101. We'll be sharing the DNA of Kingsway Church. Have you found Genesis yet? All right, if you haven't found Genesis, you might be backslidden this morning. So I'm glad all of you found it. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we will have it up here on the screen for you. And if you have a mobile device, you might like to look it up there as well. This morning we come to a scene in the life of Joseph and his father Jacob, beginning at verse 8. When Israel saw Joseph's sons... He said, "'Who are these?' Joseph said to his father, "'They are my sons whom God has given me here.' So he said, "'Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them.'" Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, "'I never expected to see your face.'" And behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knee and bowed with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger. And his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd for my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and may my name live in them. And the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and may, grow, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray this morning that you would give me the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach the word of the living God. And that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation. That they may hear that word and receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask you to bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I don't have all the time this morning to bring you up to speed on the life of Jacob and Joseph. They are very full and they are very long. And so this morning I'm going to count on uh, your Sunday school Learning as well as my ability to abbreviate a very long story. Because there are some things in this text this morning that I believe God wants to speak to our hearts as a church and to each one of us as individual members in the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that Joseph was sold by his brothers. That's right, he was sold by his brothers into slavery. This was an act of treachery that was perpetrated by his brothers as an act of revenge and hatred because he was the favorite son of Jacob, their father. And although they had the same dad, they didn't have the same mom, they had four different mothers in Jacob's household. And so you understand that there was a complex family situation and there was a lot of strife and, and there was eventually a moment when the situation arose and Joseph's brothers uh, found an opportunity to sell him as a slave and he was taken into Egypt. This would begin a long saga for this young man who maybe was about 17 years old when this thing occurred to him. And for 13 years, he would be on the downward slope of life and of affliction. On the other hand, you had Jacob who loved Joseph more than his other sons, and he was a man who was now going to receive the news from his sons as they came to him and they said, Dad, we found Joseph's coat covered in blood. We fear that he has been torn apart by a wild beast. They were lying to their father, and he didn't know any better. and He believed the story, and so now in Jacob's mind, his son is dead, and in Joseph's mind, His life is ruined. And he went into a season of affliction. He became a slave and he arose to uh, be the head servant of the house of Potiphar, a very influential man in Egypt. And then Potiphar's wife took a liking to him and she uh, accused him of rape because he would not lie down with her. And so now the A slave has become a prisoner and the Bible tells us that Joseph was put in a prison. He was put in a pit and in that pit he was forgotten. He was forgotten in that prison. He was left to the circumstances of his life, and you can imagine the the grief and the tragedy that would arise in uh, these moments of Joseph's life as he, one by one, day after day, would encounter that life wasn't getting any better, it was getting worse and worse by the moment, and the things that he had counted on and dreamed on had fallen through his hands like sand. But well, we learned something from the life of Joseph that's very important for each one of us to understand this morning. And that is that Joseph's season of afflicted, aff- affliction lasted for 13 years. But the, the, the life that he lived after that season was many decades longer than the season of his affliction. What are you telling me this morning, pastor? I'm telling you simply this, that no season ever lasted forever. No matter how hard, no matter how long, no matter how bitter, no season ever lasted forever. The scripture says that weeping may endure for the night or weeping may endure for a season, but joy is coming in the morning. I said joy is coming in the morning. I don't know what season you're in right now. You may be going through a season of hardships, Where it seems like things are just going from bad to worse Can I tell you to hold on Hang in there Don't lose faith Don't lose courage God is on your side And God will turn things around before long Come on somebody Give God praise Because he superintends the details Of our lives And in a moment Say a moment How long is a moment? In a moment, God takes Joseph from the pit to the palace. He goes from being a forgotten slave to being the second in command over all of Egypt. I told you that God is good at what he does. He moved Joseph, who's now 30 years old, out of obscurity, out of affliction, and he brings him to a place of prominence. If you want to understand the full context of the story, you can read the preceding chapters of my text. But now things have turned around. Things have changed in the life of Joseph, and the Bible tells us that he took for himself an Egyptian bride. Now he is a man of influence. He is a man of authority. He is a man of, uh, of great wealth. And he has been blessed by God with a family of his own, his his bride, and he have two sons. And I want to just pause for a moment and look at the names that he gave to his sons. Because they tell us a lot about Joseph and a lot about his state of mind. For the Jews, to name a son or a daughter was literally to prophesy as to the future of that person, of that child. And so he names the first son and he says, I call you Manasseh because the Lord has caused me to forget. And he named his first son Manasseh because in his heart he had forgotten the grief and the pain that was inflicted on him by his brothers. Now, he didn't forget the events. He still remembered the incident, but the pain was no longer in the memory. And so when Joseph looks back over his life and he says, God has caused me to forget the trouble that I came through, the trials that I went through, the the bitterness that I experienced. He's letting us know that if you walk with God long enough, God will cause you to forget the things that you never thought you'd be able to. to forget. He'll take the grief and the pain out of your memories of yesterday and he will replace them with joy and with satisfaction and with peace. You say, pastor, I don't know if that's true. I was abused in my childhood. I was neglected when I was growing up. I was Rejected by the people that I thought most loved me. Can I tell you, keep walking with God and the day will come when God will take the sting out of that thing and you will be free from it forever. Come on somebody. I'm talking about a God who is able to restore the brokenhearted. He is able to heal the wounds of the broken heart. You know what this tells us about Joseph? It tells us that Joseph didn't harbor any resentment. Every time he was wounded, he let it go. Every time he was, he was falsely accused, he let it go. Every time that he found himself in, in, a, in a moment of difficulty, he relied on the providence of God and on the sovereignty of God. He trusted that God was able to restore to him those things that he had lost even if only for a moment. And friends, I tell you that this is the the recipe for healing into your heart this morning. If you're walking around with resentment and with grief and thinking about if only... If only they had loved me. If only I had done it differently. If only I had made a different decision. If only I hadn't married that man. If only I hadn't married that woman. If only I hadn't gone to that job. Can I tell you let the if only's go and let God handle the situation in your life. God can turn things around and make them good and make them sweet again. I know sometimes it feels like life's bitterness will never be out of your mouth but I'm here to tell you that there There is a God who can draw out of your mouth the bitterness that was left there by defeat and put in there a savor of his presence. that will So that you can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. I said, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Notice Joseph's words. When his brothers come to him with their hat in their hand, they come to him asking for help. He says to them, these words fascinate me because they are the last words that would have been on my mind if this had happened to me. He says to them, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me. Because God was working out all of these things for the salvation of many lives. God had an alt- another plan. He had, a, he had an agenda in all of this. Joseph understood the, the glory of God's hand in the details of his life. Then he named the second son. And he named him Ephraim. Which means the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction, Joseph began to bear witness to the fact. He began to testify concerning the things that he had experienced. And he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. You see, sometimes we think that in order to bear fruit, we have to have ideal circumstances. We have to have an ideal break, uh, upbringing. We have to have all the money in the bank. We have to have all the right friends in our corner. But God says this, you don't have to have anybody in your corner. You can have all the odds against you. You can have everything stacked against you. If God be before you, then who can be against you? God can make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. Maybe you're in the land of affliction right now. God says, I can make you fruitful in that place. I can make you fruitful in that place of being neglected, being forgotten, being rejected, being falsely accused. I can make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. David understood this about the situation that he had undergone, that every step, was a step upward to the purpose of God. The prison, the pit, the false accusations were all rungs on the ladder that were leading him to the place that God had designed specifically for him and for his life. So I tell you this morning that God can make you fruitful, even in the most difficult of times. When it seems like you have nothing else to contribute and nothing else to offer, you'll find that God can bring fruit out of rocks. That God can bring fruit out of dry places. That God can turn your desert into a land, of uh, an oasis, and provide for you and for your family. God took uh, Joseph's fears, and he made them into courage. He took Joseph's anxieties, and he turned them into rest. He took Joseph's lack, and he made it abundance for the nation of Egypt and for the nation of Israel. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God who's not limited by your circumstances. He is able to do way more than you could ask or even imagine. And so things have turned around for Joseph. And now his life is on the up. The Bible tells us that his father is brought into Egypt. And I want you to imagine this reunion if you can. 22 years have passed. These two men, father and son, who were so tight, so close, have been torn apart by treachery. They're about to meet again. And God, in His sovereign providence, has brought these moments together, and the family is about to be reunited. And Scripture tells us that when Jacob comes uh, to see uh, into Egypt and Joseph comes to see him, he brings his two little boys with him. And as he brings his two little boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, Joseph is now an old man and his his eyesight is failing and he asks a question. He says, who are these boys? And he says, "Uh, dad, these boys are the sons that God gave me while I was in Egypt. These boys are the sons that God gave me in my affliction. Again, Joseph is testifying. He's letting Jacob know that instead of bitterness, his mouth is filled with praise. That instead of instead of a complaint, his mouth is filled with, the, with a testimony of the goodness of God. Is there anybody in here this morning that has a testimony of the goodness of God? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in here that can tell me that God has been good to you? He said, These are the fruit of my season of affliction. And I want you to bless them. And look, look at jo- J- Jacob's words. He says, I never expected to see your face again. But the Lord has allowed me to see the face of, your, of my grandson. Can you imagine the joy of Jacob as he says to his son, son, when they told me that you were dead, I wondered about where your body was. I wish I could have buried you properly. I thought you were dead and gone. I never imagined I get to see your face again. But not only has God allowed me to see your face again, he's also allowed me to see your sons. He's allowed me to see your grandchildren. Can I tell you this morning that God will exceed your expectations i don't think you heard me i said god will exceed your expectations come on somebody we have a god who is able to exceed all of the things you could ask or even imagine. Maybe like Jacob, you've given up on some things in your life. Maybe you've given up on ever having a a, a family restored. Maybe you've given up on your marriage ever being healed. Maybe you've given up on ever seeing your children outside of the walls of a prison. Maybe you've given up on ever seeing your son or daughter free from drugs. Can I tell you, don't lose hope. Don't give up. God is able to Turn things around on your behalf. When I think about my life, I think about some of the things that God has done in my life. He has exceeded my expectations. I grew up in the great, bursting metropolis of Shote, Texas. There were were so few people there that we don't even have a zip code. When I was a little boy, I knew I was called to preach. I never dreamed I'd fly in an airplane. It never crossed my mind that I would see the Holy Land. Never, I never imagined that I would walk on the Great Wall of China. It, I didn't even know what Sydney, Australia was. There were places in the world that I never dreamed about or gave a second thought to, but then God started working in my life. I never dreamed that I would sit in the same room with presidents of the United States, but I can tell you what, God will exceed your expectations. God will take you far above and beyond those things that you asked or even could have imagined. Imagine when I think about what God has done in my life and I think, wow, this thing is about to get good. I'm only 35 years old. Imagine what God still has in store for your life. The Bible says the Apostle Paul speaking now to him who is able to do more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is working within us. To him Be the glory, for eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And the Apostle Paul said, I consider my current sufferings and the present affliction not to be worthy to be compared to the glory that God has for those who trust in him. Come on somebody, God is up to something good in your life. Have you given up? Have you settled? Let me tell you this morning, don't give up. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. Tell him, don't settle. God will exceed your expectations. The prodigal, you remember the prodigal son? He said, I'm going to go home. That was a good decision. But notice his expectations. He said, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to ask my daddy to make me a servant, a hired hand to just let me work in, in the field and sleep in the slaves' quarters. He thought, if I could just get there, I'd get something in my belly. But what he didn't realize was that his dad was about to exceed his expectations. When he came home, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He said, make me as one of your hired hands. His father didn't even pay any attention to that. He said, bring out a ring and put it on his finger. Bring out a new coat and put it on his shoulders. Put some new feet, some new shoes on his feet and kill the fatted calf. My son was dead, but he's alive again come on somebody i'm talking about a god who knows how to show off in your life he is able to show up and to manifest his glory on your behalf god has no reverse god doesn't do backwards come on somebody i say god doesn't do backwards you find yourself going backwards in life, that's not God. He said, I will take you from glory to glory. I'll take you higher and higher. I'll take you deeper and deeper. My God is a good God, and he does good things for his children. I never imagined I'd see your face again. But the Lord has allowed me to see the face of your sons. He says, Father, I want you to bless these boys. Now, this was a Jewish custom, which I think is a biblical practice that all of us should practice, the practice of blessing. You see, there is incredible power in the words of a parent or spiritual authority over your life. And the blessing of God not only has the influence of being able to encourage, but it is actually prophetic. That's why every time we leave this church house, I pray a blessing over you. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. I'm not just uttering words and phrases, but I'm uttering the very prophetic utterance that God gave to the priests of Israel to speak over his people every single time they left his presence. Why? Because God has decided to bless you. God has decided to put his blessing upon your life. One of the most valuable treasures that I have in my life was the blessing of my mother before she passed away. Just a few days before she went on to be with the Lord, she called the family into the house. And one by one, she laid hands on us and she prayed a blessing over us. And I tell you that is more valuable to me than anything that I could possess in this world because it is the blessing of God. If I were you and I, and I had children, I would bless them every chance I got. Because there is incredible power that God has given to you to bless your children. And so you, uh, you need to be careful what words you speak over their life. If you say to them that they're dumb, that they won't amount to anything, that they're never going to be an achiever, that they're always going to be at the back of the line, and then they live up to your expectations, don't be too surprised. But when you speak the blessing of God over them, you're putting God's word and God's power into their life, and they can run, but they can't outrun the blessing of God. They can go into the darkest, deepest pit, and the blessing of God will follow them in there and drag them out and make them whole. Come on, somebody. God's word is power. Bless their socks off. He said, I want you to bless my sons. And so they bring them to Jacob. Now, according to, to the Jewish custom, the firstborn always gets the double blessing. Whatever share there were among the children, he got two shares. And Manasseh was the firstborn, so he was going to receive the blessing of the firstborn. But then Ephraim would receive what was left. And so they they brought him to Jacob. And when they come to Jacob, they put Manasseh, the firstborn, in front of his right hand. And they put Ephraim in front of his left hand. And Jacob, as he's beginning to bless the boys, he crosses his hand. And he puts his right hand on the head of the younger son. And he puts his left hand on the head of the older son. Now the right hand blessing belongs to the oldest son. But he's placed it on the younger son. Makes me very happy because I'm the youngest in my family. (laughs) And when when Joseph saw this, he said, No, Dad, don't do that. Because Joseph... Realize his dad had mixed things up. He thought he was old and blind. He doesn't know what he's doing. But haven't you realized that old people know what they're doing? And so he said, no, dad, you've got it wrong. You're supposed to pray like this. He said, he said son, I know what I'm doing. God has decided to bless the younger son. And he's going to make him greater than his big brother." And what you see here is a pattern that has been played out in scripture many times before Genesis 48. Cain was born first but God blessed Abel. You go a little further and you realize that Ishmael was born first or pardon Esau was born first but God blessed Jacob. And then you go a little further, and you realize that, that, uh, that when, uh, when Isaac was born, Ishmael was born, born first, but God blessed Isaac. And so you see this pattern where God continually over he, he, he passes over the older boy to bless the younger one. And when Jacob crosses his arms, he reveals to us a pattern that comes from the very heart of God that God crossed his arms that God uh, crossed his hands in order to bless us for you see at the cross we deserved the left hand of God's judgment we deserved the left hand of God's wrath we deserve the hand of God's, of God's uh, judgment over our sin. But at the cross, God took his left hand and he laid it on Jesus. And he put upon him the wrath that belonged to us. He put upon him the grief and the shame of our sin. And then he took the right hand a blessing and he laid it upon our head. And he gave us grace and he gave us forgiveness and he gave us pardon. Come on somebody. God had decided to bless you. God has decided to bless you. He put his hand, a blessing upon your life. I know you didn't deserve it. It didn't belong to you. You weren't qualified. You didn't live up to the standard. But God said, I know what I'm doing. I am going to bless. I am going to bless. When God decides something, it is unchangeable. God's not like us. Where do you want to eat? Let's go to shorties. Halfway to shorties. You know what? I don't want shorties. Let's go to K-bobs. All right, halfway to K-bobs. you know what? Let's just go home and eat a ham sandwich. But God, when God makes a decision, he doesn't change his mind. Jacob was telling Joseph, how God has decided to bless Ephraim. And I'm here today to tell you that God has decided to bless you. You didn't just show up in church this morning. You're here because God has decided to bless you. God has decided to put something in your life that you didn't deserve, you didn't qualify for. But Jesus has qualified you to become the blessed and the blessing of God. Come on, somebody. Jesus has made you fit for the glory of God to rest over your life. The Bible tells us about the nation of Israel. They were in Egypt, or they came out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God. They get up to the river Jordan to cross into the promised land. And they refuse to go in because of fear and unbelief. And now they have been reduced to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And the scripture tells us that as they are wandering in the wilderness, they come near Moab, and the king of Moab, he says, You know what? These people are dangerous because God... Is on their side. Now, note, they're, they're in judgment. They're in wrath because they have, they have refused to enter in because of their unbelief. And so, perhaps Balak, the king of Moab, assuming that he has an opportunity, he calls for a backslidden prophet named Balaam. He says, I want you to go and curse this people of Israel. I want you to go and speak a curse over them so that they don't overtake me. And Balaam says, Well, you know what? I need to pray about this. So he goes and he tells God, He says, Lord, uh, this guy over here named Balak, he offered me a really big offering if I will curse the people of Israel. And the Bible said, The Lord grew angry with Balaam and he said to him, How can you curse whom I have decided to bless? You see, even though Israel was under the wrath and judgment of God at that moment, they were still the people that God had decided to bless. I'm here today to tell you, you can't curse who God has decided to bless. I don't care what witch put a spell over you. You cannot curse what God has decided to bless. The devil himself cannot curse what God has decided to bless. Come on, somebody. God has decided to bless you. I want you to say that with me this morning. God has decided to bless me. One more time. God has decided To bless me. One more time, let's make it real. God has decided to bless me. Therefore, when you go and you apply for that job and those people are better qualified than you are, they have a better education than you have, they've been longer at this than you have, you say, Don't worry about it. God has decided to bless me. God is going to bless me. When you go and the doctor gives you a bad report, you just say, All right, doctor, I appreciate your opinion, but God has decided to bless me. When it looks like the economy is going down, don't sweat it. Just turn off Fox News and say, God has decided to bless me. Come on, somebody. God does not need a good economy to bless his people. He is able to bless you. God has decided to bless me. And once he's decided, it's done. You see, friend, if you're in Christ, the blessing of God is on your life. the devil might come around and tell you it's downhill from here. You're going nowhere fast. You just remind him, devil, God decided to bless me 2000 years ago at the cross. He made me a son. He made me he made me his daughter. I am his and his blessing is resting upon my life. He said, to the nation of Israel, in blessing I will bless and in multiplying I will multiply. You see, when God decided to bless us, he blessed us with a Savior whose blood is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He blessed us with the Holy Spirit whose presence is able to sanctify and make us whole. When God decided to bless us, he made us a part of a family that is eternal. He made us a part of a church that is triumphant. He gave us gifts of the Spirit that we might have power in the world. He gave us his Word, which is infallible, and immutable. The blessing of God is upon the people of God. God has made up his mind about you. Now, the question is, have you made up your mind about God? God has decided to bless you. He switched his hands. You know what that tells me? When you when you switch your hands like that, it's, it's uncomfortable. You have to go out of your way to do that. God sometimes will go out of his way to bless you. He'll go over other people to bless you. He'll skip over people who've been waiting in line. He'll say, I want to bless you. When he chose to bless you, when he chose to make you his own, when he put his hand upon you and brought you into his family, it was to show his glory in your life. And today, he makes an offer, an invitation to all men and women everywhere who would, who would put their faith in Jesus. Because you see, there is no blessing outside of Jesus. The only reason we're blessed is because God chose Jesus. And we have been accepted in him. We have been chosen in the beloved. The hand of God rests on our life. And so the choice then becomes yours to decide, will you go after Jesus? Will you seek him? Will you call upon him? Because, you see, friend, there is no one in the world who can save. No one can bring your ashes and make them beauty but Jesus. No one can bring your ruin and make it restoration but Jesus. No one can heal your broken heart. No one can deliver you from the bondage of addiction. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Today he says to you, come unto me. I'll bless your socks off. I'll heal your wounded heart. I'll straighten, out, I'll straighten out the broken and bent places of your life. I'll restore the years that you've lost and wasted. And I'll make you my own. And you'll walk under the hand of my blessing. Jesus Christ is the friend you've been looking for. He's the water in the desert you've been walking through. He's the peace in the storm that you've gone through this week. Jesus Christ is the answer for every dilemma in the human heart. And he has decided to bless you. He has decided to come by your way this morning to tell you, call upon me and I will answer you. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. And when you say yes to Christ, friend, you will find that he is able to cause you to forget all those things you've been carrying around with you as burdens to your soul. He'll cause you to forget all about them. and He'll give you freedom that you'll never know in this world apart from Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? With your head bowed, your eyes closed, just in reverence toward God. If you have a testimony of the faithfulness of God right where you are, just start thanking him. Just start praising him. If you can say, Manasseh, the Lord has caused me to forget. If you are able to say, the Lord made me fruitful in the land of my affliction, just start thanking him. Start praising him right where you are. As I make this invitation, just let this house be a house of praise to the living God. You don't know how you made it, but you made it. You don't know how you got this far, but God brought you this far by his grace. This morning, if you'd say, Pastor Isaac, I need to give my life to Christ. I have not made a commitment of my life to Jesus I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. If you say, I'm tired of the life I've been living without God, I want a change in my life. I need change in my life. If if you would say that, friend, Jesus can make the change. If, If that's you, you'd say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? If there's anybody in this room, I see you there. Anybody else? Who say this is, this is my opportunity, Pastor. I don't want to pass it by. I feel the tug of the Spirit upon my heart. Just raise your hand right where you are so I can see you. I see you there. Anybody else? Amen. Now, if you would, I'm going to ask you, elders, would you come, please? If you raised your hand, would you come and pray with one of these elders of the church? We want to pray with you. And if this is your day of decision, we want to guide you in a prayer that can help you make that decision this morning. Thank you, Lord. Congregation, would you just thank God for these who've come? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Amen. Come on up. Anybody else? This is your day of decision. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Anyone else this morning? God is faithful. God is faithful. Now here's what I want to do. I want to make one more invitation. This is for all of you this morning. If you believe that God has decided to bless you, I just want you to take a step of faith and come into this altar. Put yourself in a place where God can touch you this morning. I know you might be going through some things that are tough. You might be going through some seasons that are difficult. But no season's going to last forever. God's got a day of breakthrough coming. So just take a step of faith this morning that says, God... I'm going to praise you through my trouble, through my pain. Because I believe your word to me this morning. Hell can't curse me. My past can't curse me. Because God has decided to bless me. Come on, just open your mouth and give him praise.